Pac-12 this morning on Sirius XM Pac-12 Radio 373. Here's Guy Haberman and Evan Moore. All right, we'll get back to uh, some of ESPN's reviews of spring football in the Pac-12. But, um, you know, sometimes it's best to just go boots on the ground. And uh, that's what we'll do now. Because uh, this has been, I think, one of the biggest stories in the league in one way, but one of the hardest to nail down in another. Hold Rubino of DevilsDigest.com joins us now on the show to talk about ASU. Hold, welcome. How you doing? Good morning, Jeremy. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming on. I mean, what what is the state? I'm sure people are uh, DMing you, messaging you, walking up to you, going, what is going on right now? And what do you tell them? Well, you know, I, I tell them that uh, when it comes to the uh, arms race in the NIL, um, ASU was uh, kind of late to the party. Um, I think uh, there there are some uh, good efforts that are helping them uh, right now um, land a guy like Emory Jones, the quarterback from uh, Florida, may even help them um, have uh, defensive tackle uh, Jermaine Dolay, arguably the best player on defense, exit the transfer portal and return to Tempe. So uh, that's uh, definitely uh, an aspect that, that did, um, that did uh, hurt Arizona State who lost, uh, if my count is right, uh, 17 scholarship uh, players since the end of the last season. And uh, we'll see uh, what they can um, add uh, to replenish uh, some uh, pretty big losses, especially when you uh, figure in that you probably have like eight starters that were lost uh, to the transfer portal since the end of last season. Oh, the idea, and I've heard heard several people say this, that Arizona State um, is late to the party with NIL, and they've Mm -hmm. possibly suffered because of it. Is is that idea is 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 that just a function of just the cloud hanging over the program with the with the possible you know the investigation going on related to the recruiting violations during the COVID period and they didn't want to foray you know into these NIL waters yet was there some trepidation and fear because of what was going on separately what 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 makes well, them late to the party Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's an investigation is definitely an element that, that that cannot be ignored and some say it would maybe even impossible to overstate. But I also think that the university administration uh, was the one that really needed to get the wheels in motion. And yes, I'm aware of the law that's on the books that the university uh, has to be absolutely uh, not involved in any NAL dealings. And we all know that's a, that, that's a toothless law and that's putting it kindly. But uh, I just feel that the university administration and really not so much the athletic department, but the administration itself of the school was just uh, very, very slow to react. Um, on this, and um, I think that what you're seeing right now is, is, is probably a result of that. But but to your point, yes, I don't, I don't think the yeah. investigation is an element that's irrelevant in this NAL discussion. Yeah, I mean, the reason I ask it is because you take away this cloud of the investigation going on around the program and, you know, obviously losing assistant coaches and losing players in the process. Mm-hmm. Prior to all that, a program with Herm Edwards as the head coach and – uh, Antonio Pierce as a coordinator and obviously heavily involved in recruiting. My guess is they'd be one of the first to the table in NIL and be one of the trail one of the trailblazers as it relates to NIL. So it kind of has to be because of what's going on, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, yeah. look, uh, I know when it, when it comes to the uh, allegations of the recruiting violations, um, ASU and their staff showed to be overly aggressive. So, uh, so I, I definitely agree with, with your premise. That the over that the aggression nature, if you will, of somebody like Antonio Pierce, yes, would absolutely 
um, have, have the NAL happen much, much sooner than, than it has. And again, I mean, I know it's overstating the obvious when you, when you don't have an insulated investigation, a cloud uh, hang, hanging over your head, uh, then uh, that, that can solve a lot of problems. NIL just being one of them. Yeah. Uh, I think for me, one of the big questions, you know, in NCAA investigation, whatever, that'll not whatever. I mean, that'll take its course. But <laughs> for me, the question is, can this team who at times last year felt like uh, I, I think they had a better year than it felt like they had last year based on wins and losses. Um, I think the year to me felt kind of like a six win season, but it wasn't. And my question now is, you know, with a lot returning on defense, can they find any can they find enough uh, production to really give it a run and, and surprise some people uh, this year? So, you know, I was concerned about the quarterback thing. We got some answers there, but mm-hmm. what to you stand out as some of the major questions about? You know, that kind of will lead to what a prediction for ASU might look like on the field this year. Well, look, I mean, just to touch on last year because you brought it up, I mean, to me, an, an eight-win season with all the talent that ASU had, I've been covering the team for, for the last 22 years. I've never seen an abundance of talent as I've seen in the 2021 roster. So for me, a team that uh, only won eight games, did not uh, win the South, let alone you know, contend for the division and, and contend for the Rose Bowl, to, to me, that, that's definitely a disappointment. You see four players uh, from ASU uh, drafted uh, last week. Uh, the, the other four players that participated in the Combine, and ASU, by the way, had uh, a Pac-12 high eight players in the Combine, were, were signed as free agents. So when you look at all those uh, aspects in place, uh, I, I would say that an eight-win season, eight season was absolutely uh, disappointing for ASU, at least of, at least to my standards, but I'm sure I'm not alone in that. But when you look at this year, I mean, I would agree that uh, there's definitely less question marks on the defense, especially if Jermaine Lolay does exit the portal and, and, and come back to Tempe. I know that, uh, you know, the front seven is definitely more established than, than the back four, but I, but I feel that in the transfer portal, uh, ASU has been able to uh, shore up uh, some uh, deficiencies, especially at safety. So, yes, it definitely comes, um, you know, all to the offense, uh, re- replacing quarterback like Jaden Daniels, even though he had a less than stellar campaign in 2021, uh, trying to replace uh, one of the best running backs that, that's ever, you know, set foot in Sun Devil Stadium, Rashad White, and to see how the, how, how the ground attack is going to look. And really, more importantly, um, ASU, uh, by my count, uh, lost, uh, I believe, four scholarship wide receivers in the end of last season. Mm. And uh, you, you lost, your, you, you lost your, your top three uh, wide receivers and Rashad White, ironically, is included uh, in that. So that's a lot of production to, re- to replace in the passing game. ASU definitely made uh, one important step in the right direction, uh, signing uh, the transfer from Florida, Emory Jones. But now uh, they really have to make sure that they strike gold in the in the transfer portal when it comes to wide receivers. I think the running backs that they have, uh, Daniel Angada from from last year, who didn't see a lot of playing time, but I felt really made the most out of uh, every opportunity that he got. And Xavier Valade, a running back from Wyoming, who put up great numbers uh, over there for the Cowboys the last few years. I think they can maybe by committee uh, come somewhat close to uh, replacing the production of Rashad White. But I'm going to sound like a broken record uh, because this time last year I said the X factor for ASU uh, between having a okay season and a great season is going to be the passing game. And their passing game definitely failed them uh, last year. And uh, the passing game is going to be a huge, huge question mark. Uh, going going into 2022, so you know, if I'm being honest right now, I think a six and six record with maybe some 
things really breaking ASU's way is probably a realistic, realistic prediction. But, you know, I definitely reserve uh, the um, the opportunity to, to change it in fall camp uh, when, when I see that passing game in action. And more importantly, who can they pick up in the transfer portal wide receiver? That's a huge, huge element yeah. that can determine a lot for the Sun Devils. Yeah, and by point. the way, Evan, if I could just jump in here real quick uh, to Hode's point, like I, I agree with you, Hode, that last year was disappointing. When I say eight wins, I mean everything was pointing to 2021 being the year that ASU finally wins the Pac-12 South. Uh, it just felt to me like it was a six-win season, and you look and you go, L eight felt worse. <laughs> but I agree with you; it was disappointing um, based on kind of all yeah. the buildup that we'd had for a few years. Anyway, sorry, I, I just wanted to get back to that point because it was a good distinction. <laughs> Yeah, to Hoat's point about the receiver position too. I mean, there's after the departure of some of these guys, there's no receiver on this on this roster that has more than 13 catches a year ago, right? So they've they've got their they've got their work cut out for them. And I, you mentioned Emory Jones, like lack of receiver production and lack of like clarity at that position could impact him, obviously. But what? How did you process the announcement of Emory Jones coming to ASU? Because, you know, what I read is that early on in spring ball, he lost his job to Anthony Richardson at Florida. Uh, he turned it over quite a bit last year. Uh, but nonetheless, he's experienced. He started 12 out of 13 games a year ago, and he was at Florida for four years. He's a good athlete, dynamic player. Is this something you think that is automatically Emory Jones, or he comes in and it becomes this open competition during the fall, and we wait and see what happens? Well, look, I mean, I'm sure the coaches to some extent are, are going to say that, that, that it is open competition. And I think the fact that Emory Jones uh, only joined the ranks uh, after May 1st, uh, which was a deadline for players to enter the transfer portal as undergraduates and still be immediately eligible is probably is probably not a coincidence either but um yeah i think absolutely the coaches are thinking that emory jones is going to be the guy needless to say he still has to win it in fall camp but when you just look at his experience with the combined experience of all the other quarterbacks on the roster it, it, it definitely is night and day and i know i heard a lot yesterday from people saying that this is Jaden daniels uh 2.0 and obviously not saying that in a flattering manner because Jaden daniels uh, definitely had a rough season in, 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 in 2021. But look, I, I think ultimately when you put uh, 20, 2,700 yards passing in the SEC, 19 touchdown passes, uh, yeah, sure, you got 13 interceptions, but you also have a, a completion rate of 64.7%. Uh, I, I think that this is a quarterback that could be a better version of Jaden Daniels, maybe not night and day, uh, and, and maybe I'm ultimately pr- you know proven wrong in, in, in that regard. But uh, definitely uh, a, a dual-threat uh, quarterback with the issues that I mentioned, a wide receiver, is definitely uh, something that uh, ASU uh, does need. And I'm not sure if any quarterback on the roster has a dual-threat capabilities as a, as a guy like Emory Jones. And look, I mean, he's coming over here, and not to overuse uh, this cliche, uh, with, with, with a chip on his shoulder, uh, like you said, wasn't um, a stellar year uh, in Gainesville in 2021. Obviously, in, in spring practice, like you said, lost his job. So he's, he's definitely coming here with, with, with a lot to prove. And w- what I liked uh, when I actually interviewed Emory Jones uh, just yesterday, and uh, the interview is on our front page at devilsdigest.com, uh, he said that uh, he's the offensive leader that, that, the, that these players were looking for. And I had the team sources uh, you know, validate uh, that uh, statement and say it wasn't hollow by any means, that the players on the team, the leaders on offense, really took Emory Jones uh, right away when the men in person and in the official visit. So I think this has the potential uh, really to replace successfully Jaden Daniels, which obviously was the number one off season uh, um, to, on, on the to-do list uh, for the Sun Devils. 
And I think with Emory Jones, I, I think they did this in a, in a, in a pretty good manner. Um, again, I mean, in some ways, maybe really a duplicate of Jaden Daniels, but I think with his experience and really putting up numbers like that in the SEC, um, I wouldn't be uh, so quick uh, to, to really say that ASU did not get an upgrading quarterback. I think there's definitely something to be said um, of uh, improving the play over there at Sigma Caller. One of his quotes to you at devilsdigest.com was interesting to me. He said, "My visit, speaking of Emory Jones, my visit was kind of different than the usual recruiting visit. I wasn't really interested in doing any interviews or mini tours or anything like that. I just went out to talk ball with most of the offensive coaches and sit, uh, sit and watch film for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, that is somebody to me who's been through a lot of it. He's seen a lot of the flash, right? He's talking like a mature player who who's not going to be distracted by some of the um, other things that typically players enjoy on a recruiting trip, which is fine. I got, you know, it's part of the fun of a recruiting trip, I would imagine. <laughs> but he doesn't sound like he was too interested in that. And to me, the reason that's significant is uh, we go back to Jaden Daniels' departure and the video that came out from the locker room. And yeah. I don't know if that video was a representation that Jaden Daniels, Jaden Daniels was – a really difficult guy to be a teammate of or mm-hmm. a reflection of an immature team, um, whichever it was, or maybe it's a combination of both, uh, a mature guy coming into that situation is probably a requirement um, given that it seems like it got a little messy. Again, I don't know whose fault. Maybe you can shed some light on what you made of that, but um, yeah. you know, I, I would think they that's probably a little bit of what they need is somebody who's not there for um, any of the uh, outside, uh, any of the extra uh, curricular attention and just wants to play football. Well, I, I definitely agree with, with, with a lot that, that you said. And uh, concerning that video, which absolutely was not flattering to the ASU program by any means, the version that I heard, and I'm not there, I just heard it from other people as a counterpoint, is that uh, after Jaden Daniels entered the portal, there were some equipment guys that were just cleaning out his locker, which – you know, I don't think it's really out of the ordinary. And they were just basically covered up, if you will, by some football players or, or twice the size of those equipment guys. So maybe what you saw is a distorted picture. Again, that's another version that I heard. I wasn't, I wasn't there. I'm not going to vouch for it. But um, I think that Jaden Daniels was not a hated person in the locker room, but uh, his departure uh, merely uh, two, two and a half months after he comes out uh, with a video saying, I'm, I'm, I'm staying at Arizona State, where Herm Edwards is throwing his entire weight behind Jaden Daniels. And you guys probably already know this, that ASU could have had, could, could have had Spencer Rattler, the transfer quarterback from Oklahoma, who is born and raised here in the Phoenix area and ended up transferring to South Carolina. Spencer Rattler was on a silver platter for Arizona State. And Herm Edwards decided that uh, he's going to throw his weight behind Jaden Daniels uh, he he showed his loyalty, and I guess Jaden Daniels, at least back in December, showed his loyalty back to the program. So for for so for that um, you know foundation to be there, and then for Jaden Daniels to to decide what he decided, like I said, a mere two two and a half months later, really really rubbed his, his teammates the wrong way. I'm I'm not condoning by any means any teammate uh, taking uh, any gear from uh, Jaden Daniels' locker and throwing it and and, and cussing in the process. But I, I do think that that the context over here uh, of, of the chain of events that really took place with Jaden Daniels is really really important uh, to um, to realize over here. 
And and when you mentioned that uh, quote by Emory Jones, I agree with you. That that was definitely a quote that really took me uh, in, in, in in a very positive way. That this guy is really all business, uh, and, and he's really over here, um, you know, on a mission, uh, you know, to play and, and and to play for a team that wants him to play for a team he believes he can contribute. I mean, sure, he's he's getting an, an NIL deal out of it. Maybe not, you know, all flashy compared to other quarterback uh, transfers in this cycle, but. Uh, you know, nonetheless, he's not coming here because the NIL. I mean, that's really icing on the cake for him. For him, it's really just uh, just to, to prove himself and really come into a situation where he felt is really the most advantageous for him to contribute as much as he can from the team and also feel that he's an environment that's conducive for success. Hode, what is your sense of how, with all this stuff we've talked about, everything going on, the current state of ASU, I mean, you look at, on, you know, for the athletic, Doug Haller writes for the athletic, right? And he does his annual state of the program. And mm-hmm. like, like everybody, like all the writers in the athletic do for every program in America, the Power Five programs. And his title for that was, in Herm Edwards' fifth year, ASU, ASU seems to be headed in the wrong direction. And mm-hmm. I think that is the popular sentiment around the program. It's what everyone around the Pac-12 would say and agree with. What is your sense of how Herm is, is, is processing this and dealing with it? Is Herm, is Herm in this like as long as ASU's committed to him, is is he going to give this thing everything he can to bring it back, or where do you think Herm Edwards, where Herm's head is with all of this right now? Well, I think Herm Edwards knows, like everybody else in Tempe, that the uh, notice of allegations uh, coming down from the NCAA and the subsequent sanctions are a matter of when, not if. Uh, you know, it looks like that there's a, a chance, maybe even a good chance, that Herm Edwards would be able to actually coach this year. And then those allegations would come maybe at the very tail end of the season or maybe right after the season uh, has ended. So uh, he, he, um, you know, acting under that premise really just wants to do uh, the, the best that he can in his last year at Arizona State. Uh, there's definitely a lot of elements stacked against him. I mean, that's uh, really uh, stating the obvious. But, uh, but, 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 I, but I feel that he's really in, in, in this as much as he can. Uh, he does want to go ahead. Uh, and, you know, exit, exit the program because I don't believe he's going to continue in 2023. Exit the program. I'm not going to say on a high note because when you have an incident investigation, that's really going to yield some consequences for the program that they're definitely going to feel and feel in a very adverse way for the next year or two. It's hard to say that you're going to leave on a high note, but, uh, maybe, maybe defy the critics. I mean, I'm here telling you that ASU may be lucky to have a 500 record in 2022. So maybe if you finish uh, seven wins, or you know, to your point earlier, eight win uh, was season that actually would feel like an accomplishment in 2022, but definitely did not have that same uh, vibe in, in 2021. But yeah, but I think mean, I have no doubt in my mind that uh, Herm Edwards is really going to try his darnest to really make uh, you know lemonade out of lemons, and there's a lot of lemons that are being served in Tempe right now. Uh, we'll see how successful he is. I mean, again, going to back to my earlier point, I think with the defense, he's actually is actually in a pretty good spot. Is a good foundation to build on, even though there were some key losses. It's all going to come down to the offense and more specifically uh, to, the, um, to the passing game, which, um, again, is no different uh, than uh, the, the huge question mark, the X factor going, going into last season. If some way, somehow, that passing game can outperform uh, the production we saw in 2021, then make, maybe this team uh, can, can actually surprise us here. But that is a big, big if, and I think uh, even the most optimistic AC fan I uh, would not uh, disagree with that premise. If you uh, want to read the whole conversation with Emery Jones that Hode had, go to devilsdigest.com. Hode Rubino, always appreciate you making time. 
Thanks for jumping on with us today. Thank you, guys. Enjoy your weekend. All right, same to you. Again, devilsdigest.com and uh, more from Emory Jones there. And you can also catch um, a bunch of his highlights there as well. So, <sighs> Boy, it's when we talk to Hode, when we talk to Chris Karpman, um, both those guys cover do a great job covering the program, and they're all over it. And the issues and things they have to discuss each time they come on our show or anyone else's show, um, I don't think that, you know, go back two, three years ago, they certainly didn't think this is where they'd be. Right, and I think uh, I think Doug Haller's title on the athletic for his state of the program says it all. In Herm's fifth year, ASU seems to be headed in the wrong direction. They're losing talent, not adding talent. Their net difference is a, is a significant loss. They have allegations hanging over their program. They've lost you know five coaches and even more assistants and recruiting assist recruiting assistants, including two coordinators and in Antonio Pierce and and. Uh, who was the guy that came down from Boise? I already forgot his name. The offensive coordinator. Both those guys are gone. Uh, 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 Zach Hill. Zach Hill. And it sort of feels, guy, like they're trying to rebuild something that really was never built. Like it hadn't reached the mountaintop by any means. But it almost feels like they're trying to kind of do some patchwork and put Band-Aids on some problems before we know the inevitable, which is Herm's going to be gone from ASU at some point. That's what it feels like. But we'll see. That's why I wonder how he's processing it day-to-day when he shows up for work. Where's his vigor? Where's that fire in his belly? I'm just wondering if it's there because it's hard to, it's got to be hard to work through this if you're Herm. And a lot of it's self-inflicted, but this has to be a big challenge. I have a feeling the vigor is there, but uh, the question is, are the, is the talent there? Is the coaching, yeah. you know, is the staff able to do what's necessary? All right. We'll uh, continue talking about the Pac-12 South next on Pac-12 Radio.